this season of Advent, let us pause to reframe the story of Christ's birth in a way that compels us to bend a knee to His Lordship in every part of our lives. Born the King This is week number four of our series, Born the King, this journey that we take through Advent leading us to Christmas. I want to invite you this morning to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18, and and if you are able to stand in honor of the gospel reading this morning, Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place, what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of God given for the people of God, and we respond together by saying, thanks be to God. You be seated. Why can't every day be Christmas? Why can't every day be gay? Why can't every day be Merry Christmas each and every day? There once was a Christmas that almost wasn't, all because of a man named Groom. And now victory's mine! Do you hear that? Victory's mine! 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 And Merry Christmas, I don't think! <laughs> Wait a minute. If you are Santa, what are you doing here? You're early. Christmas is not coming this year. Treat your family to the happy, song-filled, magical motion picture that's almost too good to be true. Rosano Grazzi and Paul Tripp in The Christmas That Almost Wasn't. The Christmas That Almost Wasn't. 1966, probably not a blockbuster. Anybody ever seen the movie? Front row. No one had saw it in first service. Amazing. Lori Padilla told me this morning her mom has 168 Christmas movies, and she thinks it might be in there. Um, So if you want to borrow it, or you could talk to these folks, they might share it about it. I haven't seen it. But I can, I can kind of guess at the plot because I think it would kind of would be something like, you know, Santa gets kidnapped or there's some kind of storm or he breaks his leg or he gets arrested or he's in trouble somehow. The evil villain enters into the picture. Christmas is not going to happen. Then the hero makes an appearance and Christmas is somehow saved. The Christmas that almost wasn't. But when I say that, I'm not talking about a Santa Claus movie. I'm talking about this first Christmas. You know, the one 
with the angels and the shepherds and the baby Jesus lying in a manger, the real Christmas story. If you read Matthew carefully, it's, it's as if this might not have happened, for several things could have gone wrong. There was a whole bunch of things that could have gone a different way and could have unfolded differently. We're so used to the story that perhaps we don't notice some of those details, because it appears to me that it was a Christmas that almost wasn't. Matthew says the birth of Jesus happened this way. Mary and Joseph were engaged, but were not yet married, and they discovered she was with child. Now, when you and I hear that, we hear, oh, yeah, that's the Christmas, that's the virgin birth. I'm not sure that's how Joseph heard it when he discovered it for the first time. This woman that he's engaged to, this woman that he is supposed to marry, this woman that he has not slept with, she ends up pregnant. And Matthew tells us that Joseph is a righteous man, unwilling to expose her to public disgrace. Some translations say to put her away quietly, and others translations to divorce her. We hear that statement, he was righteous, and he was going to kindly put her away. We hear that as one statement, but it really is two. Joseph was righteous, and a righteous one knows the law, and the law says that Mary should be stoned. Now, those of you from Washington and Colorado, entirely different context, okay? We're, we're talking about a rock uh, here um, that uh, you get it, right? But the stoning is not just to punish Mary. That's part of it. The stoning is also to serve as a deterrent to the whole community. This Christmas story could have ended before it began. But even though Joseph was righteous, he did not want to disgrace her, and so he's going to put her away quietly. Joseph is taking on, by making that choice, he's taking the chance of the wrath of his peers. What happens if they find out? What happens if they find out that he's aiding and abetting? What happens if he finds out that he's not uh, having Mary uh, be uh, responsible for coming to justice? But Joseph takes a chance and sends her away quietly, tries to keep it a secret. I think sending her away quietly is probably the modern-day equivalent of having to go live with your great-aunt in in nowhere North Dakota, probably. This really would have messed up Christmas. Can you imagine if, it's, if it sounded like this? And a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world would be taxed, and Joseph went to Bethlehem alone because he had sent Mary off to live with a distant relative. It just doesn't work. The prophets foretold that a Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, not nowhere North Dakota. And Mary and Jesus almost didn't fulfill the prophecy if something else would have happened. It doesn't surprise me, though, because even the prophecy almost didn't happen. Matthew is quoting the Old Testament book of Isaiah, that a virgin would bring forth a child. This prophecy almost didn't happen. You might remember the story in the Old Testament. It's in Isaiah. Isaiah says, uh, sends, uh, or God sends Isaiah to the king to get a, a sign because God wants to save his people. But God wants the king to know it's not the king that saves his people, so God asks for a sign. He wants some kind of sign so that when it happens, everybody knows this was God who did this. So he goes and he asks the king for a sign, and the king will not give him a sign. I think maybe he didn't want to give God the credit if something happened. But God sent a sign anyway. This was his sign. Behold, a young woman shall bear a child, and you shall call him Emmanuel, or God with us. The sign of the Messiah... This prophecy almost was not given. It wouldn't have been given if it had been up to people, but God sent the sign anyway. Christmas wouldn't have happened if it had been up to people, but God jumped in and sent the sign anyway. 
he, he took matters into his own hands. He sent an angel to talk with Joseph and to explain things. And the angel appears to Joseph in this dream. And it's told that, that Joseph, um, Joseph understands then that this baby that Mary is carrying has come from the Holy Spirit. And he understands in this dream that, that this prophecy in Isaiah, this actually applies right to this here. And Joseph wakes up. And, and I got to think that the first thing he must have thought is, you got to be kidding me. And yet we see his faithfulness. Joseph took Mary as his wife. They went to Bethlehem. They bore a son. And angels showed up. And shepherds showed up. And eventually wise men showed up to behold him. But none of that would have happened if God had not intervened. Christmas would not have happened. But that's what Christmas is about. It is about the God who breaks in. It's about the God who intervenes. It's about the God who who tears open the heavens and comes and is God with us. And God still does that. God is still breaking into people's lives to bring love and peace and a holy presence. Jesus is still God with us. God's desire is not to sit around and watch you fall on your face. God's desire is he wants to break open and be a part of your life, to walk with you daily, to come alongside of you in all of the circumstance of your life. And I wonder how our lives might be different if we were able to somehow see what life would look like if God had not intervened in some of our circumstances and not intervened in some of our relationships? Or, or maybe the more important question this morning is this. How would your life be different today if you would let God intervene more? How would your life be different today if you would let God break in every day into the circumstances, into your life, into your family, into your plans? It is my prayer for you that God intervenes in your life, in our life this year, that God breaks in in a strong and mighty way. Because you see, there are a whole bunch of people preparing for Christmas that is more holly than holy. So many people will have a Christmas that was almost, but not quite. So may it be more than holly, may it be more than tinsel, more than hollow. May the angels and the shepherds and especially the baby Jesus, come alive in your heart this season. I pray that God speaks into your heart and life and fresh and new blesses you with this amazing gift of the Son that he has sent so that your life might be lived as he intended it to live. And yet God, in his wisdom, leaves those choices to us. Will you experience, or in your stubbornness, or in your busyness, in your hurriedness, Will Christmas pass you by? I know I I told this story a a number of years ago, and and yet, um, well, there's two things. One, you know, when when this is your 23rd Christmas, you run out of stories, right? Um, But but the more important part is really good stories need to be told again. Some of our really good stories, George has got two stories. I've heard them 13 times. Um, They are good stories. We tell the story of God at work in our life and in our heart. But one of my favorite Christmas stories is the story about the father and the son. The father and the son who, um, who uh, part of their passion in life was to collect art. They would travel around the world and they would gather these art treasures, some of them quite expensive, by Picasso and Van Gogh and Monet and many others adorned the walls of their family home. The widowed father was so... Uh, proud of the satisfaction that his son had grown up and was interested in the things that he was interested in and, and had become quite good at, at, at uh, dealing with art and, and the collectors. And, and yet, World War II came. 
engulfed the nation, and the young man left to serve his country. After only a, four, a, few, a few short weeks, the father received a telegram. The telegram said that his son was missing in action. The art collector anxiously awaited more news, afraid that he would never see his son again. And within days, his fears were confirmed. His son had been killed while rushing a fellow soldier to the medic. Distraught and lonely, the old man faced the upcoming Christmas holidays in anguish because he thought never again would there be the joy of the season he had experienced with his son. On Christmas morning, it came, and then he was still in bed. A knock came at the door, and he got out of bed and made his way. And as he's walking down the hallways of their home, he sees these pieces of art there. And all they did was just remind him that he was going to be alone without his son. He opens the door, and there's a soldier standing there, a soldier that's holding a big package. And, and he introduces himself and says, I was, a, I was a friend of your son. In fact, sir, I'm the one he was carrying when he was killed. I've brought a gift for you. Could I come in? They come in, they begin to have a conversation, and, and the soldier begins to share with the father uh, the stories that, about the son and stories that the son had told about the father and felt like he kind of, kind of knew him and, and, um, and really had this time of, of hearing more about who his son was. The young man said to him, he said, well, I'm an artist, or I'm trying to be, and I know that you and your son loved art, and so I, I brought you this. And he handed him the package, and he began to tear away the, the strips that were, were wrapping the, the, the package, and it uncovered a portrait of the man's son. The art world would never consider it to be anything of genius, but the painting featured the young man's face in striking detail. Overcome with emotion, he, he thanked the soldier for, for this incredible kindness, and he promised that it would take the most prominent place in his home, right above the fireplace. And after they visited a little while longer, the soldier went, uh, went home, and, and true to his word, he, he rearranged and pushed aside thousands of dollars of, of artwork and, and hung the picture of the sun above the, uh, the fireplace. And he sat down in the chair, and he just gave thanks that joy had come through this gift. During the days and the weeks that followed, the man realized that even though his son was no longer with him, the boy's life could live on because of the people that he touched. He would soon begin to hear the stories of what his son had done. It wasn't just that one man, but in fact, he had saved a dozen wounded soldiers before the bullet had filled his heart. As stories of his son's compassion and courage continued to reach him, fatherly pride and satisfaction began to ease the grief a bit, and the painting of his son soon became his most prized possession, more, more prized than anything else that he could own. He, he said to his neighbors around him that it was the most special, it was the greatest gift he had ever received. And the following spring, the old man became ill and passed away. The art world was full of anticipation. There was, there was this, this buzz because the will uh, of the old man said that there would be an auction and that everything would be auctioned off. But it would have to wait because it needed to take place on Christmas Day because that was the day that he'd received his greatest gift. So as the, they prepared and they got ready, finally the day came. Art collectors came from all over to bid on these priceless objects. And the auction began with a painting that was not on the, any museum's want list. It was the painting of the man's son. 
The auctioneer asked for an opening bid. Anybody give me a bid for the painting? And the room was silent. Anybody give me a bid? Anybody give me $100? And the room was silent. And finally, somebody in the back said, maybe we should just move on to the next one. The auctioneer said, no, we're going to sell this one first. Can anybody give me anything? And there was one older man who raised his hand and said, would you take $10? I've only got $10. I, I was a friend of the old man. I, I knew the son. I, I'd love to have it, but all I have is $10. The auctioneer said, $10. Anybody else beat $10? $10 going once, $10 going twice, sold. And the room began to buzz. They applauded. They were ready to move on. They were getting excited that now was the time they had waited for. And the auctioneer stood up and he said, he said, thank you, folks. The auction is now over. Merry Christmas. And they all said, what, what are you talking about? You, you advertised that, that this was an auction. We, we, this was for all the paintings. We didn't come for just this one painting. What, what is all this about? And the auctioneer replied, well, it's very simple. According to the will of the Father, whoever takes the Son gets it all. Whoever takes the Son gets it all. You know, in a couple of days, gifts will be opened. All kinds of gifts. Some flashy and spectacular and some practical like stocks. Some will be what you want and maybe a couple will not. Some are costly. Some have been handmade. Some we had to fight through crowds in order to get. There's all kinds of gifts that are given and received on Christmas. But there is one gift that stands above them all. And it is the supreme gift of supreme value. And when you get right down to it, it really is the only thing that matters. As we pour our life into a whole bunch of things that don't matter all that much. Whoever takes the sun gets it all. This gift has already been given. And yet some don't realize it. For some, it will be the Christmas that almost was. At Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, and Jesus himself is the gift, God's gift. Isaiah prophesied this gift. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, authority shall rest upon his shoulders. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And amidst all of the festivities of this time of year, like how the Grinch stole Christmas and Rudolph on ice and the Blake Shelton holiday special and the sales at Walmart, in a time of office parties and get-togethers and family and so many wonderful, wonderful things about this season, there is one thing, there must be one thing that stands out. One child stands out. God's son, God's love, his grace and mercy is the real gift. Everything else that we celebrate would be meaningless without it. You might have a relationship with God. You've asked for the forgiveness of your sins. You might be a Christian that follows after Jesus today, but, but Christmas is passing you by because of, of so many other things in your life. And, and you've opened this gift of God, but, but, but in the midst of it, it just kind of sits with all of the other gifts that are around us, set aside for later. How long has it been since you've experienced the Christ of Christmas breaking into your life and breaking into your relationships and breaking into your family and breaking into your your devotional life, breaking in today. 
Don't let this be another Christmas that almost was. But instead, throw open your arms and throw open your heart and let God be who he wants to be in you, who he's always intended you to be. For this Christmas could be a time of renewing our journey of faith. No matter where we are in that journey, renewing it, reestablishing our commitment to being who God has called us to be. Or maybe this idea of a relationship with God is something new to you. Maybe you've never really thought about all that God has done at Christmas or, or on the cross. Or maybe you've thought about it a lot. It's just, it's just that you've insisted holding on tighter to yourself than to God. If I told you that I have a gift for you that will solve your greatest problem, heal all your deepest hurts, forgive every single mistake you've ever made, help you understand the purpose of life and why you were created and put on this earth, that it would make you a better person, that it would give you joy and peace, and it would give you a place of eternity in heaven, wouldn't you be interested in that kind of gift? So then let me ask you the question. How many Christmases will you continue to go through without finally embracing this gift of God in your life? We celebrate year after year, but sometimes we, we might not open his gift, or maybe we've opened it part way. You know, we've opened it, but it just hasn't been anything that we've really, it just kind of sits with everything else. How many more Christmases will go by before we really become the people God has called us to be? Don't let another one go. God's gift is personal. It's custom made for you. It's practical. It's not meant to put on the shelf and just be brought down every now and then. It's meant to be used every day. It's priceless. Jesus paid a price. The cost for the gift was his life. It's permanent. His warranty is the best in the business. God broke into humanity because he loves you. You can fight it or you can wait. I think that's where sometimes we can catch ourselves. We catch ourselves saying, I know I need to be more who God has called me to be. I know he has more for me. I know he has more for me. I just, I'm in the middle of this. I'm in the middle of that. I'm in the middle of kids. I'm in the middle of work. I'm in the middle of whatever it may be. And what happens is that waiting turns into waiting and a Christmas that almost was. Don't live a life that almost was. For whoever chooses the son gets it all. My prayer for all of us in this next week, in the busyness of our schedule, is that we won't have a Christmas that almost was. May it be a time of new beginning. May there just be something fresh and new as we're reminded of God's incredible blessings in our life. May there just be something fresh and new as we experience God's grace. We bow our hearts before a manger and we adore him. The God who came so that you and I might have life, and not just life, but abundant life. And so maybe today, maybe right here, right now, this is where Christmas begins. This is me confessing. This is me admitting. This is me trying to turn around. Trying to turn around the thing that happens every year. Because this this is where Christmas begins. Dear Christmas, it's not you, it's me. Every year you come around. And every year I hope that I'll have peace and joy 
and wonder. Every year I place my hope in the gifts you ask me to buy, but I still feel empty. Every year I chase after the seasonal traditions you bring, but I never catch up. Every year I organize my family gatherings that you encourage, but I still need to belong. They're all good things, I know, but they're not the best things. So maybe this is where I go back. Maybe this is where I go back to where it all really begins. It begins with a timeless story that happened in real time. It begins with a baby boy, born to a humble couple, announced by a proclamation from heavenly angels to lowly shepherds. It begins with the word that dwells among us and becomes the lamb that dies for us. You are God with us. You are God for us. And you are God refusing to abandon us. So Christmas, you're here, but I'm here too. Tired, but wide awake. Wide awake. To you. To this. To all of it. Because this. This is where Christmas begins. Would you stand with me? Father, we've been on this journey over these last four weeks. And part of what this journey has meant is we've talked about preparing ourselves for you to break in and watching for you and inviting you to have your way in our life. But I, I, I wonder if truth would be told, if we were honest, we have been running a thousand miles an hour up to this place. And God, what we need is to be a people who step back and take a deep breath. Just as Joseph was confused in the, in the midst of everything, your uh, word brought clarity. Father, in the craziness we find ourselves in, in the relationship struggles we're in the middle of right now, in the unknown that we're dealing with right now, we need that word of clarity from you. We need you to break in right in the middle of our need. And more than break in, God, there is something in us that knows that we are called to be a people who unwrap these gifts of grace and mercy and hope and that it changes the trajectory of our life. And so, Father, our prayer this Christmas is this. Renew in us your spirit. Fall fresh in our heart and life. God, break in and come. And may joy come, not because of the circumstance, but may we be able to sing on Christmas Eve at the top of our lungs, joy to the world, because you have come. Father, as we prepare our hearts, we open up ourselves to you, invite you to renew our faith and the calling of our life. May this be a Christmas that is always remembered because it's one in which we took another step closer to who you have called us to be. Sing it with me, would you? Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. 
And all God's people said, Amen. Merry Christmas. Lord bless you as you go. See you Christmas Eve.